Last week we saw how God left us with a mission to make disciples of all nations. That is the last words that, that Christ left us as he went back to heaven. And he told us to tell the good news that God had made a way for us to live that, that we were designed to live. And that's what we looked at last week. We looked at God's design. How did God design us for this world? We are learning a relational, conversational way to bring them the help they need through Jesus Christ. And so last week, we had you all fill out some, some cards. And um, Jack, do me a favor. If you'll go back to the information or the uh, sound booth, there are um, the basket back there. I want you to pass out one of those cards to um, everyone in the room here this morning. And here's what we're going to do. We're going to do this every week of this series because we want you all praying for someone who is far away from Jesus, someone who needs Jesus in their life. So the cards that you filled out last week, if you look on the uh, back back there, we have them all displayed. And so as you leave today, go through and just read those. Read those, and if you want to say a quick prayer over them, read them and kind of get yourself familiar with them because we want you, as you learn this three circles, and we're going to keep doing this repetition because we want you to have turn everyday conversations into gospel conversations. That's the idea of this. So those people that you're praying for, you can have the confidence to share with them the gospel message. So, you know, as we uh, finish out today, as you have those cards, go ahead and write a name on it whenever you receive it that God has laid on your heart this morning of somebody, maybe it's the same one as last week or maybe you've got a new one, that God is wanting to say, God, I want to have that conversation with this person who is near and dear to my heart. And as you write that name, when you leave today, drop it in the, back bo the black box in the back of the room, and we'll continue to add to our list uh, on the back uh, pipe and drape, and we'll continue to pray for all of these. So it is God who draws people to his son. It is the Spirit of God that comes in and he works in your life and the life of people in this room to pull you closer to the, the, the Son. But we'll continue as we move through this series to pray for these people that God will draw them closer and closer to him. You never know through your prayers what kind of situations these people that you're praying for, God will put them in. What kind of situations God will put you in to have that everyday conversation turn into a gospel conversation? I'm super excited about those cards. As we put them up Friday night, I was able to read through them, and I know some of the other, um, Robert and Rachel read through them after you dropped them in Sunday. There's some exciting things there because, church, it's, it's, it's exciting to see when we as a church have that vision and that heart for those lost people around us. And some of the cards brought me to tears because the names that are on those cards, those are precious people made in the image of God who need a Savior. And we, church, need to be about that. We need to be about sharing that mission and, and knowing how to do that. And that's why we're in this series today. How many of you guys remember your very first job? Anybody remember your first job? I'm not going to point any fingers if you don't remember, um, and, and maybe it's longer than others, but um, that's okay. If you don't recall your first job, that's fine. Um, if you do or if you haven't had a job, just, you know, you'll get there and you'll remember. It'll be a fun day when you get to start working. 
The day I turned 16, I got to start working. Isn't that exciting? Uh, the day I turned 16, I got to work at a place in my hometown called Sears. <laughs> and, and where I grew up in a little small town, Sears was not in the mall. Sears was like on the main drag. And Sears had these wonderful things called appliances and lawn equipment and tools. You remember Craftsman Tools used to be at Sears? I mean, it was, it was a great place to work. And the day I turned 16, I started working at Sears. And, and little did I know when I accepted the job, um, the, the manager was a family friend, and so I kind of got my way in a little bit um, with some help from my parents. But, but I didn't realize just how much that job was going to be perfect for me. The first day I started, I got in there, and I learned that my main job was going to be putting stuff together. It was going to be assembling barbecue grills. It was going to be cutting... Uh, refrigerators and things out of the boxes and putting the shelves together. It was going to be assembling. I got to put pool tables together. How cool is that? You know, at Christmas we'd have, I mean, all sorts of things. I got to put tons and stuff together. And, and I learned at that point in my life that many of you know, if you're on our setup and tear down crew, many of you know this about me. I learned at, at that moment that I'm just a tad bit, I'm going to say on the detail-oriented side okay? Um, you may call me other things, and that's okay, but I'm going to say I'm detail-oriented. That's the way God made me. That's the way I am, and I learned this during that first job working at Sears because I love taking all those pieces and parts, and I would organize them on the table, and I would put them all together, and it was like the greatest time in the world. Now, for many of you, I know Pastor Robert, he's, no, he, he's shared this before, that there is no greater torture for you than assembling Ikea furniture, but for me, it's heaven. If you give me a shrink I can put that thing together and have the best time of my life. If you don't know which piece of furniture that is, you can go look it up later. Um, I love putting stuff together. And when I put stuff together, you buy this furniture, and, and you know that it needs assembly. And, and one of the first things you do is you're unboxing this piece of furniture. What do you look for? The instructions. You dig through the parts bag, you find all the pieces, and you find the instructions. And you usually unfold this chart, or maybe it's in a book and, and has pages, and you'll find step-by-step -step detailed instructions on what to do. But I'd say most of us probably messed that up, even myself included. Even me. I, I love putting stuff together, and IKEA furniture can throw me for a loop. Why? Because sometimes I miss it. Sometimes I get the instructions out, and I, I know exactly what I'm supposed to do. I know where all the pieces are. I have it all laid out, but I still mess something up. I flip something. Something's backwards. Something's out of order. And what happens when that takes place? It messes it up. When the parts are out of order, or when I potentially, maybe, I'm like, you know, I know that's what the instructions say, but I wonder if it would be better if I did this step first. You know what happens then? I have a broken bookshelf. I stray from the design, and I have a broken bookshelf. Last week, we talked about what? You guys remember our first circle? God's design. This week, we're in the next circle, and we're going to be talking about a place where we end up when we stray from the designer's plans, when we stray from those designs. This is a place that many of us know all too well. It's a place called brokenness. And I think we would all agree, and we'll see clearly today, that we live in a broken world. You don't have to look very far to realize that brokenness is everywhere. Many of us experience that. Many of us know firsthand, even today, that we are in a broken world. The brokenness is very evident in the destruction of our families, the way our lives unfold, the way we go to work. There's no denying that we live in a very broken world. 
So let's look at just a few statistics of our broken world. You know, in the United States, the brokenness has impacted that 40% of children that wake up, wake up in single-family homes. We know that's not God's design for the family. Over a half a million children have been removed from their homes due to abuse and neglect. Again, that's a sign of brokenness. An estimated 20 million people are ensnared in some kind of substance abuse addiction. Another sign of brokenness. Police reports over 3,000 violent crimes a day in our country. Another sign of brokenness. We are a humpty dumpty nation that has fallen, we've broken, and we can't figure out how to put all of the pieces back together again. And it's not for lack of trying. We recognize, our world recognizes that there's something wrong. We have all, the, all of us have this sense of brokenness. Whether you're a Christian or not, you feel this sense of brokenness in our world. We attempt to provide health care for every individual. We study prison recidivism rates and implement behavior modification programs to reduce them. There are all kinds of people trying all kinds of things to put our Humpty Dumpty nation back together again. And fortunately for us, God has given us the solution. And so we know that God's design for each of our lives. So we have God's design. We have our first circle. We looked at that last week. We're going to continue to put back, uh, come back to this week after week after week. Because God tells us in his word his design for our lives. So the first thing we want to think about when we think about God's design and how we depart from that is that, number one, we choose to depart from God's design. This has been true from the very beginning of creation, from Adam and Eve, from the very beginning. If you'll have your Bibles, go with us to Genesis. It's the very first book all the way at the end, at the beginning, that far left-hand side. Go to Genesis with us. If it's on the app, just scroll up. You'll get there eventually. Genesis chapter 3, verses 1 through 7. Adam and Eve thought that they knew better than God. And we see here in verse 1, it says, The serpent was more crafty than any other beast in the field that the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Did God actually say, You shall not eat of any tree in the garden? So Satan is, is, is sneaking around. Okay, Verse 2, it says, And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, You shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. So she knows the rules. Verse 4, the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate. Then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked. At that moment, when sin entered the world, they both understood it, and they both knew it. It says, continuing in verse 7, And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves clothes. The Bible's word for departing from God's design and going our own way is what? Do you remember from last week? What's this word here? Sin. 
we see here in Genesis, this is the moment that sin entered the world. And we all do it. We all sin. We all choose to depart from God's design. You tell you, what I find interesting in that passage is, what did the serpent tell Eve? He made her question, did God really say? Did God really say? Questioning the word of God. Questioning the truth of God's word. Happens today. It happens when we justify our sin. Oh, is this really going to be that bad? We're justifying away or questioning what God's word says. So number one, we see we choose to depart from God's design. Number two, when we depart from God's design, it always, always, always leads to brokenness. We know when our communion with God is broken, it feels like fear, shame, guilt, loneliness, all of those things are a sign of brokenness when we try to hide from God. Let's keep reading in our passage this morning in verse 8. And it says, And they heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden. And I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. So we see that we choose to sin. When we depart, when we sin, it always leads to brokenness. And number three, brokenness disrupts God's design. Brokenness disrupts. It messes up God's plan and God's design. It disrupts our spiritual life. We see in verse 14 of chapter 3, The Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and above all beasts of the field. On your belly you shall go, and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. Brokenness disrupts our spiritual life. Brokenness disrupts our family life. We know from that moment on there was pain in childbearing. From birth on, it was going to be part of the world. Not only does it disrupt the family life, it disrupts our married life. <laughs> now, I'm going to read a passage of Scripture to you. Do we believe what the Bible says? Okay, so I'm going to read Scripture, and then I'm going to say something about the Scripture we just read, okay? And this may be a little bit countercultural. This is Scripture, okay? So verse 16 to the woman, he said, I, surely will, I will surely multiply your pain in childbearing. In pain you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be contrary to your husband, but he shall rule over you. All the way back in Genesis, we see that brokenness disrupts our married life. There's a desire from the sin nature within us all to depart from God's design. And this is a simple example here. God says, your husband shall be the head. It shall be the head of your household. And, and, and ladies, because of the sin within us, you are not going to want to do that. We see it in Genesis. From the very beginning, all the struggles, all the frustration, we see this because God says this is part of it. This is sin. This is brokenness. We see, guys, I'm not going to let you off the hook. It disrupts our work life. You're going to have to toil to work now. Guys, you're going to have to get up off your tail. You're going to have to lead 
not just your job, but you're going to have to lead your family. Part of that whole process is we love our wives like we love ourselves. And we struggle to do that just like they struggle to do what God says and, and, to, and to fall into that line, into that order of following God's leadership, God's design. Men, we have to be leaders. We have to be active. We have to be about what God's called us to do, and that is in our work. And that work includes so many things. And the most primary of those things is leading our homes well. And to Adam he said, verse 17, Because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain, you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat of the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face, you shall eat bread till you return to the ground. This is life now, humanity. You chose to depart from my design, and now there are all sorts of issues you have to deal with. It doesn't disrupt our work life, our married life, our spiritual life. It disrupts our physical life. Look at verse 19. For out of it you were taken, for you are dust, and to dust, shall re <laughs> to dust you shall return. Brokenness disrupts our physical life till the very end. We're going to die. We get to go back to dust. That, that's part of this whole process. Brokenness messed up everything. Our sin, our choice to depart from God's plan, God's design, ultimately leads in our death. Brokenness is such an awful thing. So many of you feel that brokenness in your life today because of the choices you've made or because of sin that has been committed against you. But here's the beautiful thing. Brokenness helps us see our need for change. So many of you are in this room today and you've accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior because you were a broken people when you walked in here and you said, I need something different. Or maybe some of you are sitting in here today looking for that because you know that you're broken. You need that change. You know, it says there, we try to cover our sin, but it doesn't work. Adam and Eve, what did they do after they sinned in the garden? They wouldn't put clothes on because they knew that they were broken. They were broken. They, they, they felt the shame. We, we do what we can to fix our own brokenness. We try to fix it. We go out and look for new relationships. We try a different drug. We go and try different foods or new clothes or to make a better me, but it never works it never works brokenness it seems like a bad thing and it is don't get me wrong but through brokenness god uses our brokenness to get our attention to alert us to the fact that there is something wrong and we need change and god has made a way out of that brokenness and that is the gospel that is the gospel. And we're going to use the last few minutes as we finish drawing out this diagram. You're going to see us doing this week after week after week in this series because we want it. Repetition makes perfect. And we want you all to be able to understand this three circles and be able to have this conversation with those in your life. So you got a napkin when you came in. Take that napkin. 
and we want you to draw the three circles on the napkin. And you say, Pastor Robert, why do you give us a napkin to draw on? Because here's, and I'm going to tell you this every week, when you're having this conversation with someone, many times it's going to be sitting around a dinner table or a table at a restaurant or whatever, and the only thing you're going to have to write on is a napkin. And so we want you to be able to write on this napkin the three circles as we kind of draw, walk through this again. So brokenness is an easy part for us to understand, you know, because it feels like broken relationships, addictions, depression, discouragement, guilt, and shame, and we all want out of brokenness. So we looked at last week God's design. Sin brings us out of God's design to brokenness. We have the little squiggly circles outside of brokenness, and those represent how we try to get ourselves out by our own power, however that might be, medication, drugs, new relationships, whatever it might be that we are trying to use to get ourselves out of brokenness is the squiggly lines. We strive to be better people, hoping that somehow, some way, maybe the good will outweigh the bad. We look for ways to alleviate the pain. Sometimes that's through pursuing all kinds of pleasure, thinking that all kinds of pleasure will, will, will alleviate the brokenness. We look for all these ways. When we feel broken on the inside, everything is all messed up, and we know that something needs to change. And what I love about the Apostle Paul and his writings is in Romans chapter 5, he talks about Adam in this passage that we just went through. As he was writing to the church at Rome, he said in verse 12 of Romans chapter 5, he says, Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, he's talking about Adam, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all have sinned. We had God's design, and because of sin, it brought about brokenness, and that brokenness leads to death. That's the ultimate result. The Bible's word for change as we get out of brokenness. What's the only way to get out of brokenness? What's the Bible's word for change? We looked at it last week. Help me out. Repent. Repentance. Repentance is the only way out of brokenness. It's God's solution, which, which is to repent and believe the gospel. The change we need, it only comes from a relationship with Jesus Christ. God sent Jesus to live a perfect life, to die the death that we should have died, the death that we deserve, and to, raise, to be raised to life again, proving he is who he says he is because he conquered death and hell, and he can do what he says he is going to do. Jesus came to forgive our sins. Let's see what Paul says in the next part of Romans chapter 5, verse 17. For if because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. When we repent and believe in the gospel and Jesus, he gives us the spirit of of God to help us, our next arrow, to recover and pursue God's design. Recover and pursue God's design. Then Jesus sends us right back into the broken world to help others find their way out of brokenness. There is no one, 
too broken in this world to repent and believe. God's grace is sufficient for anyone willing to repent and believe the gospel message. And then as we recover and pursue God's design, we find what we've all been looking for our whole lives. God has a design for our lives. And I hope we understand that. I hope we believe that. I hope we can see that clearly. That last week we talked about it. God has a plan and a purpose and a design for everything that we need to do in this world. But when we stray from that, we end up in this place called brokenness. And that is always going to happen. There is no other place we will land when we sin. This is it. Just like when we get out those parts, we begin to build that piece of furniture, and we look at all the things that we need, God has given us his word. We have the Bible. We have this instruction booklet. And it has every single thing we need for this life. It is everything. And we so often go our own way and we decide to do something on our own. I brought with me some parts from my last piece of furniture. I had some extras. Robert, would you pass these out? There's always extra parts, isn't there? You know, I felt like the last time I put this piece of furniture together that I didn't need to use this dowel. I felt like I knew better. Everybody grab one of these. I felt like I knew better, and so I left this dowel out of the process. And do you know what happened to my piece of furniture? It fell apart. The first time my kid climbed up on it to jump off of it, it just shattered. I want you guys to take these wooden dowels this week, and guys, put them in your pocket. Ladies, I want you to put it in your purse. If you carry stuff in your pocket, put it in your pocket. I want it to be somewhere where you're going to see it a few times this week. I want us, when we reach into our pockets, or when we reach into our purse for our keys, and we see this dowel, or we feel this dowel, I want us to remember this message today, and I want us to think about the place of brokenness. When we try to skip steps, when we try to add parts, when we try to remove parts that we just don't care for, we end up in brokenness. God has a very, very specific design for us. He's given us very, very specific instructions on so many things. But we think we know better. And if you walk out this door and just open your eyes in our world today, what are you going to see? Brokenness, 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 brokenness. And even for the body of Christ, even for the church, when we know better, we know better. We've trusted Christ as our Savior. You know what we do too? We still break things. We still sin. We still stray. And we end up in this exact same place as our world. The beauty of this whole process is if we've trusted Christ then we can have this, this moment where we repent and we believe and we allow the gospel to transform our lives. And we can get back on track. We can go back and add that piece that needs to be added. Or we can take that piece out that needs to be taken out. We can get correct. Why? Not because of what we do, because of what God has already done for us. Not to preach next week's message, 
but spoiler alert, okay? The gospel fixes everything. So this week, when you look at this Tao, when you fill it in your pocket, I want it to be a little obnoxious. I'm cool with that. I want it to kind of annoy you, maybe. I want you to think about that. Think about the brokenness that for you who have trusted Christ, that you've been saved from, that you've been redeemed from, that has been wiped away and washed clean. If you're somebody and you know deep in your heart that you're far from God, that you've never allowed this transformation to take place in your life, I want you to fill this dowel. And I want you to come face to face with your own brokenness. I want you to see it for what it is. I want you to see yourself in the mirror for who you are. You are a child of God, but you have sinned and you have no way on your own to get to God's design. You have no ability to do that. When you reach into your pocket and you feel this wooden dowel this week, I want you to see your need for a savior. I want you to be reminded of it every morning, every night, because I want you to know that there's got to be a time in your life where you trust Christ as your savior. Where you allow God to take all these squiggly lines and all this brokenness and to make it whole. I want you to reach into your pocket and know that you need a moment in time like those students that we saw baptized last week. I want you to know that that needs to happen in your life. And I want you to know that God has made the way for you. There's nothing you have to do. You just need to do it. Will we choose to take God's way out of brokenness? Or will we choose to continue to find our own way, find our own path, follow those squiggly lines that should put us right back where we began?